Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World. I'm your host, as always, Kane Sims. And on our fourth anniversary week, uh, I am delighted. I was actually going to bring some more merch. I've just had some more merch done. Um, new caps, new T-shirts, um, but it's absolutely freezing, so I'm, I'm all wrapped up. But uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, as always, we are going to dive deep into natural language processing, voice automation, conversational AI, and a whole bunch of stuff. We have Sean Edmonds, who's the Chief Revenue Officer at LumenVox, joining us today. And we're going to get into all of the LumenVox capabilities, uh, you know, speech-to-text and all this bunch of other stuff, biometrics. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the market, the technology, the challenges, and the solutions that LumenVox provides. So we're going to get into that in just one moment. But before we do that a shout out to our presenting sponsors today deepgram and symbol ai deepgram is one of the leading automatic speech recognition providers it is powering companies all over the world startups and established companies are using deepgram to fuel their voice bots and all kinds of uh, use cases requiring asr uh, they have incredible accuracy incredibly cost effective and they will actually also do a benchmark if you're looking for a speech recognition provider uh, benchmark against some of the other providers and uh, Hopefully, it proves its worth. So do check out DeepGram. If you are in the market for some speech recognition, you can visit deepgram.com forward slash VUX world. And our other presenting sponsor is Symbol AI, which is a conversational intelligence platform. And if you go to symbol.ai, that's S-Y-M-B-L dot A-I, for those of you that are tuning in on the podcast, uh, and sign up there, you will see how easy it is to add a simple but powerful call coaching and call tracking functionality to your customer experience solutions. Symbol AI's customizable conversational intelligence APIs are that you uh, hook into calls, videos, text conversations, and apply best-in-class contextual AI in no time at all. You can build all kinds of stuff. The, the limit is your imagination. Uh, one of the real cool use cases is agent assist. So, you know, we talk a lot about conversational automation and a huge area of opportunity for contact centers and for customer experiences in using this technology to help agents be more productive. And you can build that with Symbol AI. So do check out symbl.ai for more. That's uh, symbol.ai, symbl.ai. Thank you to DeepGram and Symbol AI for presenting VUX World on our fourth anniversary week, which I am uh, super, super pleased with and super excited about. Now, without further ado, we have the CRO of LumenVox, Mr. Sean Edmonds, joining us on VUX World. Sean, welcome. Thank you, Kane. Happy to be here. It's a pleasure, and thank you for uh, for coming in at short notice. I know we had to do a little bit of reshuffling, and uh, so I appreciate your flexibility for stepping into the helm. Absolutely. Everybody's going to have to deal with the less attractive, less intelligent version of the C-level who's going to be here today from Lumenbox, <laughs> so hopefully I can, <laughs> I can live up to some expectations. Well, I think I think you might be underselling yourself a bit there, Sean, uh, because <laughs> I've, <laughs> I can see from your LinkedIn profile, you've got a vast amount of experience at a bunch of different companies, and one of which was Nuance. So you've been around the, the conversational AI, natural language processing, kind of emerging technology space for, for the vast majority of your career, by the looks of things. Uh, so you obviously know your stuff. I do. I've been privileged um, to have experienced AI in its various forms, starting with nuance on the speech side and then the voice biometric side, diving deeper into the VB side over my career, looking at it from a network perspective, from a CPAS perspective. Um, I've also uh, had the experience of looking at how behavioral, analyti behavioral analytics and machine learning and natural language processing can be utilized in a MarTech space. So um, I'm pretty excited about what we're doing here at LumenVox because I've, I've, as you said, I've kind of been around the block a bit. And I think that there's a, um, a really interesting trend or a series of trends that are taking place um, that we're excited to participate in. Mm. Interesting. So, so we'll get into those trends definitely over, over the course of the conversation. Um, but first, what what was your kind of over, you know, I'm looking at companies like Intelliquent, uh, Akizian, is that how you pronounce it? Akizian? Is that pronounced um, right? I don't remember which one. Af yeah, Af oh, so Af 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 Af
and then looking at web RCT and, and nuance. So basically, oh. it's a long long winded way of, of of kind of trying to kind of climb into some of your kind of previous experiences, previous roles, and kind of like tracking your journey essentially through this through this kind of space. Was nuance was nuance the first opportunity you had to work uh, in this kind of technology space, or were you, you were working on something before that? Uh, well, it was a, a little bit of a, of a dabble in it when I was at Nokia, uh, when we were looking at different ways to manage and facilitate. This was way before anything was technically a cloud, um, but managing contacts and contents in you know a pseudo kind of cloud environment at that time for large uh, carriers, telecommunications companies. And then with Nuance is really when I got into the speech side of the business and was able to really kind of dig into um, what I felt uh, at the time was its its infancy in terms of how uh, NLU was evolving into um, a, a very valid capability when you look at anything that has to do with customer engagement. Mm. And from that point forward, as you can kind of see, um, some of the areas I, I wanted to explore had to do with how does this use case manifest itself in different parts of, let's say, the customer journey, whether it's a network side, right, whether it's the authentication side, um, whether it's a proactive outbound element um, in the MarTech side, as I had mentioned before. But, you know, it's interesting, it kind of all led me back to Lumenbox and, and really understanding how to position technologies in the ID, speech, AI, broadly speaking, space uh, as this market continues to evolve. I mean, as you are probably aware, it's, it's every other week there's some new announcement going on, uh, whether mm-hmm. it's a roll-up or a new product or a new service or, or something, uh, perhaps all the above. Um, and it's, it's just such a dynamic place to play right now. And it's exciting. And it, it's going to be even more exciting to talk to you about kind of our perspective and what we're seeing as well. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, you kind of touched on it even this week. We've saw, you know, Unifor's raised $400 million. Cognigy's raised, I think it's a Series B, 58 million euros, I think it might be. Uh, we tallied up last year, we did some analysis looking at the various companies that, has, that had raised. And I think that it, out of something like, it wasn't like, obviously there was far more companies that had raised money over the course right. of last year, but we picked out like, I think there was 40. And there was something like 2.9 billion raised or something like that amongst like 40 companies some of which are like small and raised a couple of million some of which were like genesis or whatever raised 500 million so there's so much activity going on this in this kind of space how would you summarize like is is all of this investor activity kind of part of the hype cycle or, or is it a sign of real true belief in the future of this technology it's a sign of real true belief because the hype cycle has been going on for some time. I mean, if you go back to circa 2009, 2010, there was always the promise of these technologies actually changing the way an enterprise or a company engages with an end customer. You're seeing the manifestations of that right now in real time. It's happening. I mean, you're experiencing it when you are talking to your cable company, talking to your bank, talking to uh, your favorite retail outlet or store. Um, you're in many ways probably thinking you're talking with someone, but you're actually talking with something. Uh, and the trend that is starting to even further accelerate um, where these technologies can be used is, you know, if you think about the way you want to engage, if you have a question, Right. If I need to understand something, perhaps it's a flight or something on my bank account. Um, you know, if you go back even 10 years, that can be a cumbersome process. Uh, you could be on the phone for 10, 15, 20 minutes. You start to perhaps get a little annoyed. Um, and the advent of and the dispersal of these types of technologies and every step in the customer engagement journey has really made that experience one that is more palatable, but also in some cases, I would go as far as saying delightful. If I can get an 
to my question in seconds rather than minutes, it's going to make it so I am going to have a positive perspective on that particular brand. Mm, yeah, seconds in, instead of multiple tens of minutes in many cases. Oh, yeah. I was, I was literally on the phone uh, trying to get onto the phone with a, a mortgage company. And literally, this was last week. And there was a the actual kind of introduction into the call wasn't that bad. I wouldn't have said there was a mixture mm-hmm. of like DTMF press one for this, and then you hit a voice bot, but then you had to ask you had to put your reference numbers in, so it defaulted to DTMF again, and that part of it kind of seemed to be it was a bit clunky as far as a, an experience mm-hmm. is concerned, but it kind of got me through, and I but then what happened is I was obviously in a queue, and I was just. I was on hold, but I didn't realize I was on hold because the, the the line was just ringing and it was just constant ringing constantly for ages. And I was just completely confused. Like what on earth is happening here? They've obviously got the technology within the, within the IVR to be able to just come on every now and then say, look, you're in a queue. Don't worry. Someone will be here soon or whatever it might be. Or start taking some more information from me. All the opportunities there, but I'm sat there confused. You know, it was a really weird experience. Yeah, no, I've got one better for you, which is uh, a problem. I mean, with our, everything that's happening, there still is problems, items, areas that could be better. Um, and again, that's as we talked today, that's really where Lumenbox is focused. But this use case was one I was coming back from a business trip, which was the first time in a long time. This was about three months ago or so. Um, late at night, just wanted to get home and trying to catch it was either a Lyft or an Uber. And, and long story short, for whatever reason, it needed my address or the credit card, I should say, needed my address or it had to confirm, uh, had just moved, it had to confirm uh, my new zip code. And that process, that process of, because I was walking, I didn't have, uh, nor did I want to, I was trying to get out to the, the queue to, or get to the street to get the Uber. Um, so I was speaking my address and that simple act of speaking my address, alphanumerics and such, the, the experience started to fall down so much in a very similar fashion, I should say, to what you experienced. The initial part of queuing me up to just have that simple question answered was great. But once I got there, it was 10 minutes later and having to speak to a rep. And even at that point, it was there was seemed to be a disconnect, right? Um, in terms of why I was actually calling in. Um, and then there was no history presented. So, and this is with a major multinational credit card company. This isn't, you know, anything that you would say, oh, well, you know, a small mom and pop shop. So it's, it's that area, um, or I should say that use case is one that there is opportunity to provide a better mousetrap. And, and that's an area where I think we still have a, a bit more to go. And as an enterprise in this space, I, I still feel that there's a tremendous amount of opportunity to build um, and to create a more, again, delightful customer experience. Mm, absolutely. Uh, so tell us about Lumenvox then. Tell us, you know, for someone who's never heard of Lumenvox before, I'm sure there's plenty of people tuning in that have there may be some that haven't. Do you want to fill us in on, you know, how would you describe Lumenvox to someone who hasn't come across it previously? Well, we've been around for 20 years. Um, but one of the things I will say is the, the Lumenvox today um, is, is really the, the evolution of two companies coming together, Voice Trust and, and Lumenvox. And in the last months, we really um, set a course to, to almost re- who we were. We invested a tremendous amount in our technology. And what Lumenvox provides um, is we provide speech experience technology. And I would say if I look in the market today, it's a bold statement, but I'll make it. We're the only pure technology player, truly agnostic, that's out there in the market that provides the full spectrum of speech technologies. Everything from uh, natural language to transcription, ASR, TTS, biometrics. When you, can, when you pull all those together, it is a total speech experience. And we provide the building blocks to some of the biggest brands in the world 
who then in turn provide their their solutions to end customers. And that can be any number of customer engagement, conversational AI related solutions or services. Mm. And this this year is the 20th year, isn't it? Is it the 20th year anniversary this year? Yes, it is. It is. Nice, nice. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's, tell you, it's, it's, uh, what is it? I can't remember the, the stat, but it's certain, you know, lots of businesses fail very early. I'm quite, you know, proud to have to be here four years in, but 20 years is like, you know, it takes some doing. And especially in a, with a technology type, I mean, you could probably compare LumenVox maybe to Nuance, perhaps, you know, another company who'd been at it for quite a long time. And I think now I'd be interested in getting your perspectives on, on this related to the questions we were getting on a little bit earlier about what is it hype or is it, is it prime time ready? Is that I imagine that in maybe the time 2013, whatever it was when you were at nuance and even before that, when nuance and LumenVox were getting started, I imagine it was a totally different market, totally different kind of expectations. Whereas now a lot of people seem to be aware of this technology, at least aware, broadly speaking, of the value that it can add. Maybe not all aware of how it can be implemented, perhaps, but there's generally more awareness now than there was then. I'm wondering whether you might be able to shine a light on what you think some of the either differences or comparisons are between, you know, the the nuance of 2013 when you were there and what things were like at that time versus where things are today. What do you think some of the main differences might be? Well, I, I would say that, um, in short, hopefully uh, you all are you're going to get a funny still picture if I'm sitting <laughs> my view is on the screen. But hey, it's, it's not the, it's moving. It's the moving. way we're doing everything remote nowadays. <laughs> um, so what's the difference? I, I would say that in those days, there was a bit of, um, they, on the basic level, you knew that speech was needed, right? So to your point, DTMF, you know, short phrases, directed dialogue, and so forth. Um, and but the but really intent um, and kind of using it to um, replace what would be an agent engaged type of experience for a customer was still pseudo in its infancy. You know where we are today, and one of the things that that LumenVox has really put an emphasis on is is now it's kind of the democratization of all of that. You, you want to be able to build these different experiences for a variety of different use cases. But you need to be able to do it in a way that, A, it's simply put, not going to break the bank. Uh, two, you need to have a, a technology at its core that is future-proofed, right? It needs to work out of the box. It needs to be reliable. It needs to be easy to use and it needs to scale. And if I were to kind of take a, a view back from 2013 to now, it's, it is the position that LumenVox is built to kind of handle those um, use cases, simplicity, scale, um, cost effectiveness that has given us and given many of our customers the ability to do things um, that perhaps would have cost seven, eight digits in the old days, or excuse me, seven, eight uh, figures uh, in terms of the the, uh, the 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 licensing cost and the support cost, to do it for a fraction of that, but not sacrifice anything on the experience side. And that's where I think you've seen the evolution of the space. So you've got players like LumenVox today that can bring best-in-class technology and do it so that virtually anyone in the market can partake and build any type of experience using our tools and our technology. Interesting. And so let's walk through the, the stack then. So there's automatic speech recognition. There is, you mentioned voice biometrics. Um, there is call progress analysis, which I'd love to get into that uh, uh, in, a, in a short while. That sounds really interesting. Uh, text-to-speech, which is actually pretty unique because entirely different technology-wise to everything else. Everything else that we mentioned so far is all about understanding, whereas text-to-speech is purely about communicating back over. And it's quite fairly unusual that an organization has both the understanding part and the proprietary TTS part. So it'd be nice to get into that as well. Mm -hmm. Have I missed anything out there? 
in terms of um, speech recognition, biometrics, call progress analysis, uh, text to speech, natural language. So we so have the NLU uh, in there as our, well, natural language understanding. We do. We have a product called the Gateway. Well, first of all, if you draw a line right through all of it, it's all speech related, right? Mm-hmm. And so at its core, that's what our stack our technology stack, and we call them modules. Right. Um, and so in each of those modules, you draw a line, again, straight through it. It, it is at its core. It's our speech engine, okay, um, of which we just finished a, a fairly massive overhaul and update, moved everything into kind of microservices, dockers and containers architecture, and put forward, um, you know, some of the most state-of-the-art approaches to all things speech, with the DNN-based engine and so forth. So out of the box, the what we're seeing in terms of uh, the experience, it's amazing. But just to kind of get back to the point you were asking, because I, I wanted to save CPA. So if you look about everything you've talked about, conversational AI, right? Um, one of the components in a portion of that experience, a good portion, is let's say that um, – you are in an e-callback type of environment, right? You're calling in, you, you need to speak to an agent. You're not going to be able to address the conversational or vis-a-vis a conversational AI. The bot's not going to get it. But guess what? You're in a long queue. Um, you don't want to wait online. Uh, what our product and call progress analysis does is it uses a component of our speech engine that detects human, that detects human speech. And it does it, I would say, based on the customers that we work with today better than most anybody in the world. Um, we've been doing it for a long time and we're doing it at massive scale. You know, we're approaching close to a billion calls a month are laced with our speech engine. And why does that matter? Because when you're thinking about that customer experience, you're thinking about tools that make that better. Um, and you're an enterprise thinking about, hey, I, I wanna look at how can I make this a better experience you don't want your agent to get connected to dead air or a voicemail. I mean, that has cost implications that are obvious. Every second has a cost implication. If you could get it near a hundred percent right in that connection virtually every time that again, creates a better experience. It creates a better experience for the agent. It's a better experience for the customer. Um, And that just is kind of, the, the lead in to how we've kind of looked at our modules within our technology stack to create a better customer experience, being able to leverage um, any intent engine in the market and marry it with our ASR so that any language, high level of accuracy is married with any intent engine again, you can create really interesting experiences. And, and in short, you, you're seeing these, these trends in conversational AI, broadly speaking, where you're going to have a multitude of different use cases with any given enterprise. So that we give a lot of flexibility there. Um, and, and that's kind of a point where uh, we've, we've really focused and emphasized quite a bit is on this modular approach and being a, mm. that total speech experience. Mm, interesting. So so you can kind of take one portion of it and leave the rest if that's what your requirements dictate, or you can take the whole package and and fully get up and running. So let's that is say, correct. Yeah. So so let's say so so the only thing you mentioned, I think that is perhaps um you mentioned hooking up to any other intent engine. So I'm assuming that everything we're talking about here is all related to understanding the speech component, but but there isn't a like a proprietary classifier, like a natural language understanding underneath. You kind of essentially would pair LumenVox capabilities either side of that natural language piece, ASR, biometrics, into any other natural language understanding unit, and then you have the LumenVox TTS at the other side. Is that am I understanding that right? That's correct. So think of all of the different modules um, that we have uh, and have mentioned uh, when we talk about the gateway and we'll be releasing our own uh, NLU engine, but you know, as a, the building blocks, right? We are, we, again, we're a pure software company. Our goal is to provide as many tools as possible. So to the point you were making, identity becomes a factor in that. 
you know, the text to speech, speech element, the reverse of speech to text becomes a factor of that. And so it all sits in our stack in our proprietary, proprietary stack. And again, it gives those building blocks to customers to build those experiences. Mm. What are some of the um, examples, obviously over, over the course of 20 years, you're going to have lots of these to choose from, but what are some of the, like, let's say standout use cases that spring to mind of like that customer is showing exactly how this technology should be used really, really well. What, was, what would some of those kind of examples, you don't have to necessarily name the clients or something like that, but just like examples of some of the use cases that, that you think are really like top draw. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So, so one of the things, it's the good and the bad of being an OEM, right? It's the, the good and the bad is you're, you're the engine in many ways. And not everybody is going to say, hey, I want to broadcast the engine. Um, but we're fine being the engine. But some of the use cases um, can be as simple as I'd mentioned before when we talked about companies who are tackling high level of accuracy and outbound notification payload delivery. Reduction in average hold time, right? Better experiences um, in providing tools that bring conversational analytics, meaning you can mine our data or the data that is actually your data as an OEM to better understand your customers, better improve on the customer experience. And so as we are that technology only OEM, there's a good chance because of the the breadth of how we've deployed this over the years and, and, and even more so over the last two years with, with just our crazy accelerated growth that you're using us in one way, shape or form today. And that's the exciting thing for us. Um, and we're continuing to see some diversification and how customers are saying, can we marry identity and bring that into the conversational AI use case. And part of being able to do that is it can't be a, a heavyweight um, data intensive module technology component or all the above, right? And part of the way mm -hmm. we've looked to solve that is, is really architecting our entire stack. So um, we've solved for that. And then the last thing I'll make uh, a point on is, is, is you are well aware, um, you know, if you think about investments in speech and AI tools, biometrics and the like, um, one of the big issues that customers run in when they want to evolve, and I should say the enterprise, when they want to evolve the experience, you've invested, you've, you've more or less built your own language model for your business. You've maybe enrolled everyone um, in some form of identification tool. Maybe it's a legacy biometrics product. So, you know, moving to someone else, even though you can create a better experience, that can be a heavy lift. And one of the things we've really focused on is providing our customers tools so that they or we can help remove that barrier. So if you want to migrate off of another speech provider, we can, you know, remove 95% of the uplift. If you need to migrate enrollments, We've provided tools and have tools that help um, simplify that. So again, it's, it's, it's kind of tackling it from the perspective of, you know, you've got to be malleable. You've got to look at what the customer's needs are. And you, gotta, needs are and you also need to realize that a lot of times these customers, these enterprises, you know, it, it isn't going to be a flip of the switch for them to create something entirely new. Mm. And we want to make sure that we can provide something that, can enable customers to to future-proof their business. What's what would be involved in in a in a migration like that? Let's say I don't know I don't know. Let's kind of say that someone, let's say a company is using uh, one speech recognition or one biometrics. Let's use biometrics. Let's one customer is using, let's say nice or nuanced biometrics. Something's not quite happening. Um, you know, they're, they're looking to, to put in a, a different solution that maybe has higher accuracy or whatever. What would a migration process look like? What could somebody, what are the steps that, that an enterprise could expect to go through if they were to migrate from something else into, into a Lumenbox? 
Great question. I mean, we just got done tackling this for a fairly large customer um, where there was exactly that problem. There was an incumbent. Um, they had millions of enrollments. Um, and the lift was, how are we going to go back out? Getting someone to enroll when it's not a required action, it's an opt-in experience, no matter what it does to you know, make your as an end customer's life easier dealing with say you know any sort of, of company that requires a level of identification authentication um it's still steps clicks time and so what we put together was a means where and again it's not it i should say what a preface what i'm going to explain is you know there are certain levels of what the customer the enterprise already owns in terms of those enrollments that gives us access and the ability to kind of migrate those over. But we've built tools that, um, you know, essentially will take that enrollment that's collected um, and we can use that enrollment to essentially create a new enrollment. Now, because uh, we don't host anything, we're not our, a service bureau, so all of our technology will reside in that customer's cloud or in a private cloud or in a public cloud that's kind of run by one of our partners or powered by one of our partners. Cause again, we're a technology provider. Um, but what we've enabled them to do is you cut through some of the scenarios where PII data could come into play because we're not holding anything. We're not touching anything, but we've built a methodology so that we can easily migrate those over when the conditions are right. Um, and that's a big way for customers to say, okay, I want to create a better experience because perhaps they want to move into something that is going to leverage biometrics and natural language and speech recognition in an entirely new way, but you don't want to go back out there and re-enroll uh, re everybody. Mm -hmm. So we've, again, provided a means to do that. And we do it, you know, depending on the size, we do it in, in days, weeks, and in, you know, when you start to get up there, depending on the customer's. Um, timelines, months, but it can be done. And that's something that we're finding in market right now is a bit unique. Mm. Do you think that um, as as time goes on, so you've got some like companies who have been using similar technologies, you could probably look at <clears throat> Excuse me. You probably look at financial services, as you've kind of alluded to, insurance banks, they're probably a lot of them are already using biometrics and stuff like that. So they've got a lot of legacy technologies. Um, but most companies these days, LumenVox being a prime example of this modular kind of approach. And as now more companies are starting to implement this technology for the first time over the last sort of like, let's say 10 years, five years, maybe more so, but specifically on the conversational AI side, it's more prominent, I would say, over the last five years. However, Companies that have a degree of experience with this technology have also come across the limitations of it. And at some point in time, they do, I think what we're going to see more regularly as well is companies are going to reach the limitations of something like Dialogflow or some other natural language understanding engine and want to switch it out for something else. They're going to reach the limits perhaps of Google's built-in uh, automatic speech recognition because it can't be customized or tuned. Or, I, think, I think it can these days, but you know what I'm saying? Like, the, 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 those companies who are going to have had a degree of experience with this technology and for whatever reason want to start to switch it out. Whereas Historically, I would say, in, let's say you're a big bank, you've got a biometric solution working, it's been there for 10 years, probably less incentivized to switch it out potentially. The, I suppose the question I'm asking is, do, do you think that this concept of like modular capabilities that companies will switch in and out of easier for different use cases is more likely to be the, the reality of either today or the future? Or do you think it's more likely that an enterprise chooses a biometrics provider like LumenVox and just sticks with that for the next 15 years? Well, uh, it's a great question. And the, the one item that I will say is that more than likely the enterprise is not going to search out LumenVox because one of the areas that we've looked at and you, you continue to see the manifestation of this um, with um, press releases that will be coming out this year, different partnerships will be announcing, announcing is, you know, providing as biometrics as an example, an engine to other partners 
built experience that provide a more diverse set of use cases that that customer, that enterprise can either build around or grow with. So to answer the question on the modular side, from our perspective, what we've done is we've empowered our partners because my customer at the end of the day is my partner, right? And because I'm providing an engine to them. And what I've done is I've enabled them to do some pretty um, diverse things with our stack so that they can in turn look to that enterprise and in the case you made with a financial institution and provide them a means to, um, you know, remove the barrier in the migration, but provide a better mousetrap, right? Because we've given the means or given the ability to OEM really capable modules so that they can build around it. And in turn, what ends up happening is we, and, and this happens quite a bit in the industry today, the, the bigger you get in this space, and, and you kind of mentioned some of the investments and roll-ups, inevitably you start to build your own solutions, right? And so the, the line grays a bit between being a technology provider and being a solution provider. So when you think about some of the problems in market, and I call them problems because it's where we're, <laughs> we're growing and we're solving for them, but you know, where we've kind of really focused our energies on is, is being the, the, the Luminvox inside to a variety of different partners so that they can build and they see in turn, you know, the fruits of growing their brand or providing a, a more aggressive commercial structure that has them, you know, carry the lion's share of the revenue because they own all the services. And in turn, that better experience. So all the things you're talking about, about how you kind of take some of the, the, the legacy customers that are embedded, I think the way we've tackled it is, is you've, you know, you're giving ownership to the platform and solution providers, and they in turn um, are building very unique experiences, and we're helping them when they need to go into scenarios because of the tools I had mentioned with migration and implementation and integration, do it in a way that it can um, completely simplify the process. And, and, you know, you'll hear more about me kind of whether I broadcast this personally from LinkedIn or not. I mean, our goal is we, we want to change the industry um, and we want to do it by providing this modular approach, but we do it because as you had mentioned at the top of the call and the, and the, the theme of this call is that, just seeing this, this real drive into how can you create that better experience? And it's not going to be done by just one company, right? It's going to be done by someone taking it upon them. So maybe a set of companies, maybe it's, um, it's going to be a series of solution providers. But the tall and the short of it is, is that um, we want to be the one who provides that, that engine that helps drive that and, and be kind of a foundational element not be the one that consumes and owns the entire project. Mm, that makes sense. So you mentioned partners there. I'd be interested in, in trying to understand kind of where you would, where you'd likely come across a LumenVox. So for example, would LumenVox be a solution that you mentioned that an enterprise might not necessarily go out and find LumenVox. <clears throat> when you say partners, are you talking about like, for example, the, the other week, five nine announced the the pin drop integration. So you know, I think I think it's biometrics um, or voice print mm -hmm. or something like that. And then you have um, Nuance integrating into Genesis App Foundry. So there's a bit of a partnership kind of going on there. Are you talking about that level of partnerships where, let's say, it might be a partnership with Avaya and Lumenvox is the kind of entity that provides Avaya's biometrics or ASR or something like that maybe white labeled so that it's a virus telling the world that they've got their own biometrics, but actually it's Luminbox in the background. Or are you talking about partners like system integrators, like, you know, the quantifiers and Sabios and maybe Deloitte or Accenture's of the world where they might be working with a company and bringing in different technologies to solve solutions. Like what, what who, who, who would be the company or the people that would implement this well, we, we just had a press release this week about our partnership with Twilio. So um, 
take a look at that. Uh, really, we've we've gone down the road of doing again more of a uh, of a OEM type relationship with certain elements of their offering. Um, and I, I use that just because it's so recent, because that is, I would say, the best example of when we talk about partners um, that I can bring to the table uh, and, and make it super clear. Because from from our perspective, um, we've been working with the likes of Genesis and Avaya, um, Cisco, Five9, uh, Twilio, and a slew of others. Um, where again, we are a, a component of a much bigger solution that they've built. Maybe it's a feature of their platform. And that's really where our focus is, is because, you know, the ownership of that experience is important. Um, and, and owning the data outright, if you kind of look at what those customers are doing, um, at its most simplistic level, at the core of the stack, in their stack, being able to own that experience, that's the type of partner and customer um, that we've been focusing on. And that's where we're seeing the most, um, I would say, meteoric style growth over the last two years. Interesting. And would it be like who who would be the people that would actually use or build the solution? Would it be that Luminvox is kind of like a standoff? Here's the technology. Everything is there for a developer to go and kind of do it themselves or a graphical user interface so people can do it themselves. Or is it more kind of hands-on like, hey, you know, this is very specialist stuff. We know what we're doing with it and we'll kind of work with you to do it. Is it kind of like a standoff technology, almost like API or SaaS kind of model? Or is it we, you know, Luminvox needs to be involved to actually build a solution. Yeah, that's another good question because everybody, we, we kind of get, even at times internally, we, we try to align with saying, okay, what's a SaaS? But I mean, a SaaS mm -hmm. is someone that's going to have and be their own service bureau. We've taken the approach of building the architecture so that you as a SaaS can leverage us and optimize that experience. And we've done so in a way that doesn't require heavy lifting in terms of building and developing, right? That's part of how we architected the platform. So our customer is going to be a product org in many ways. Um, and to, to maybe do a further clarification, it, it happens to be that a lot of these platform providers and solution providers um, are, are, are leveraging us to build better experiences. But it can be an enterprise who wants to build a better experience. They just have to have the capability to build, right? We're, we're not a, uh, a custom application shop, right? Again, we've really focused on being a pure technology provider. Uh, and, and we're finding that there is absolutely a desire to control that experience more by the platform providers. And again, as I mentioned before, in turn, you know, delivering that better experience to the enterprise. So for us, make it simple, make it cost effective, future proof it, and most important, it needs to scale. And, and those are the four things. And I always kind of, um, you know, talk to uh, when we entertain new customers in market, a lot of them are like, and, you know, I want to see this, that, and the other. And I, nine times out of 10, I, I point them to some of the customers uh, that I've mentioned here um, to go see how we've been leveraged or manifested. Um, and so that's kind of where I, I feel it's the best example of how, scalable and and and, uh, and and let's just say cutting edge um, that we are and can be uh, so that it can be something where I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to show that I, I did a benchmark and so my benchmark and my lab test was better than your benchmark and your lab test. It's more pointing them to real world deployments uh, and letting them kind of see how some of our bigger customers have utilized us and continue to utilize us to build better experiences. Mm, interesting it's a very it's a very interesting approach isn't it in terms of you know being the the engine that powers these products because ultimately 
you have the potential to reach more scale that way, really, because you can then focus on doing the product, making the technology work, making all of the the actual stuff happen. But then you can utilize partners like Twilio and their huge network of customers to then get the technology rolled out and used. Is that kind of the, the framework? Is that basically LumenVox can focus on building the core technology and reach scale through kind of utilizing the partner networks? I would say it's a little more simple than that because I always have to um, make sure I'm super clear with anyone we talk about because, you know, as a pure technology provider, what we want to do is we want to help our partners. We want to provide our partners with technologies so they can do something different in market. So we're focusing our energies on just supporting them. Right? So, it's really listening to what matters. How do they want to see the evolution of components of our stack? What matters to them within our speech technology stack? Is it a language? Is it a way to take a single API approach and access all the modules? Is it an architecture scenario, which we mentioned and invested in? That's really where our focus is. So it's less about, you know, guiding for downstream. In a, in, in, and I would say it's, it's in not a scenario where um, we're in a partner ecosystem and, and someone's going to come to us and say, hey, Lumenblocks, can we do this? What it's going to be is more than likely you're not going to know that you're using Lumenvox because we've been helping those solution and, and platform providers by providing them with, you know, the best in class technology to build these speech experiences. Interesting. Interesting. Where do you think some of the we've can't we've talked about a few use cases. We've talked about the the growth and rise of awareness and implementations of speech technologies in in various various guises. Where do you think some of the underutilized areas are in terms of like where where could like a potential partner be using some of or all of the LumenVox stack that is not currently being explored? Where do you think the gaps are, would you say? Well, so there's more of a general, I think, um, opening, if you will, uh, that is going to and has yet, at least from what I've seen, um, really taken advantage of the data that's in this platform and in, you know, speech, broadly speaking, I'm, I'm waiting for the marrying of kind of outbound and inbound engagement, right? When you start to see like real um, utilization and proactive engagement. And again, coming from my, my background, when I was at CleverTap looking at engagement and analytics and how that's used and that's a proactive, you know, that's the Marcom world, how that can all be married. And, you know, when you start to see these CDP, platforms marry all that data, I think there's still going to be and there still is opportunity to get creative when leveraging outbound engagement and identification and natural language and transcription and so forth so that you can create this holistic experience, right? So um, I think the the players like everyone I've mentioned, the Five Nines, the, um, the Avayas, the Twilios of the world are going in the right or heading in the right direction, because at the end of the day, you're starting to see how they're using, whether it's they're acquiring or they're pulling together um, massive amounts of data, create that better experience. But I, I think you're going to see some of the, you know, the Adobe Marketos of the world and so forth start to think and rethink how they can marry all this together. So I think, that, and I know um, that you're going to see um, this whole conversational AI scenario probably go through an additional evolution or maybe two or three in the next two to potentially five years so that, you know, everything's tied. All your devices are connected, whether it's your phone or your car or your or an Alexa or in, in turn, you know, how you are um, notified, advertised to, marketed to. And then in turn, if you're, you know, a customer of that said company, how can you marry all that data to, can, uh, to further create this really unique experience? I mean, it, it may get a little creepy at one point, but I, I suspect that it also will be something where done right, um, it, it will be a bit of a game changer. 
Um, and that's where I kind of see uh, openings and opportunities. And, and we're kind of excited to be partnering with a number of those companies who are really looking at um, how that's going to evolve, um, whether that's today or tomorrow. Mm, interesting. Who's We've had this conversation about the Alexa and voice assistant ecosystems plenty of times, which is a question of where does the innovation come from? So to give you an example, um, with, with Amazon Alexa, you can build skills. Those skills can be third-party applications that could do anything you want mm-hmm. to. Uber could build a skill that will let you to flag a taxi or whatever. And the question that w- the conversations that we were having in 2019 probably was, whose responsibility is it to kind of make that voice assistant ecosystem flourish? Is it Amazon's responsibility to really go out of their way to onboard the Walmarts and the Ubers and the Ebays of the world? And is it Amazon's responsibility to create a playing field in that ecosystem that will allow all of those brands to flourish? And is it Amazon's responsibility to educate its customers and users of the platform that all of this stuff is possible to drive adoption? Or is it the responsibility of the brand to find a space in that ecosystem and then use their reach to their customers to drive usage of it. And so I'd be interested in your perspectives of the same question or same version of the question, which is you're you're knee deep into this technology, knee deep into this industry, and you can see the potential for where this can be amplified because it's just second nature to you. But it's not second nature to a lot of large enterprises and it might not be second nature to some of your partners potentially. So where do you think that this joined up data driven omni-channel kind of like conversational future will come from? Is it going to be ultimately driven by the enterprises who will be exploring ways to do this because it's in their interest to do so to improve customer experience? Or will it be coming from LumenVox and its partners and those kind of areas who are aware of the technology and who can see that kind of future vision or a combination of the two? Well, I, so I'll go back to it. We still got a, um, a bit to go. And, and here's the point to make is like just alphanumerics and addresses. There's, there's still a hole there that I feel some of the bigger engines or bigger platform providers fall down on because they've been focused on, you know, longer conversational, whether it's transcription or any sort of NLU, NLP, some of the simplest things tend to be the most difficult. So you've got to solve for that first. And, and that's still going to be um, really driven by these experiences and some of the partners I had just mentioned. Um, in turn, the evolution of it, to kind of further answer your question, you know, as you see different ways that brands and customers, enterprises, want to make that experience for those customers, um, let's just say, again, I use the term delightful, uh, I feel that they're going to be kind of driving how can you, platform provider, rethink this experience so that maybe there are certain KPIs on, you know, what they need to see in terms of, um, you know, customer feedback and repeat customer, customer engagement and so on, um, that they're going to, really force the industry uh, to say, guys, get outside of your comfort zone. And, and where we come into play is that, again, we, we want to focus on providing the tools for them to do that and so that they can in turn provide or build a better experience um, and they can push forward that is innovative from our partner's brand perspective. But again, it's, we're kind of the glue in many ways, um, if you think about it in terms of these new kind of next generation um, use cases. But long-winded answer, you're going to get driven um, by the likes of the brands who want to continue. The competition isn't stopping, right? It's, it's not like all of a sudden everybody just drinks Coca-Cola and everything else goes away. Um, <laughs> you, you've got to constantly keep fighting, and I think that's where you're going to see um, the drive from these enterprises to really push the, the platform providers. Um, and that uniqueness means, you know, uh, I, I have an Alexa, you know, the whole house is wired with them, but, but I, I don't feel that the, the brand is going to say, let's move everything to Alexa. It'll just be a conduit. That experience is something that's, which is going to be an on-channel driven one. And today that's not owned by a single entity. 
right? So it's that ability to be very versatile in all the different components of it. And you're going to see kind of the manifestation of that. But from our perspective, that we want to be part of um, the toolbox that's used by these players who are building these very interesting, you know, let's just call them again, next generation experiences for customer, customer engagement, and all the above. It's mm, interesting, isn't it? I mean, you mentioned there that it's not one company that is going to do it. But when I think about it, it makes me think about how even the kind of end client in all of this, the, the the company that has the relationship with the end user, you know, the average Joe or Josephine who who is at home or making the call or using the app or whatever, even those companies, their success also now depends on its partners as well in that companies these days are not isolated companies like they were with you know, over time you'll get legacy infrastructure inevitably in all industries like banking and government. So there's, there's legacy kind of providers that have always mm-hmm. underpinned those companies. But would you agree that there is, or have you got anything to, to add on top of it, which is that companies today, because things are moving so fast, technology changes so so fast, most enterprises wouldn't even dream of building their own voice biometrics or speech-to-text or text-to-speech or whatever it might be. They rely on partners that have not just got the technology, but also got the expertise to be able to implement the kind of stuff that's going to get them to where they need to be. So it's it's the whole world is becoming just this a mesh of partnerships, is it not? It is, and, and that's a good point. Like, so I, I can't tell you how many times I've, you know, over my career talked to an enterprise or a platform provider and, you know, when it comes to speech recognition, transcription, CPA, or any module in our stack for that matter, oh, we can build that. We can build that. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that um, are you going to focus on something that's not your core competency or are you going to bring in a tool that enables you to build that better mousetrap, right? Um, And so where we focus and will continue to focus is that if, we can build modules that make those experiences easier for anyone to create something unique. We'll continue to see the growth that we're seeing right now. Um, And so it it is this kind of partner, um, I think, ecosystem that's not necessarily going to go away, but where we feel the, the true value is, um, is because of how we've approached the market is we're giving ownership to that experience so that we're not a threat in any way, um, whether, you know, to that partner, to that uh, end customer, we are uh, an ally and a tool that they can use to do something different and to do something better. And, and I think that's kind of where we take a little different approach to, to partnerships because it is our goal to really be, you know, the Swiss army knife of speech by keep using these different analyses. So, mm-hmm. so you can, uh, uh, it, it is, it is definitely something where, um, we just see the need growing and, and, and you're going to continue to see that and we're, and we're going to continue to see the need for, for customers who want to control and partners that want to control their own destiny. And, you know, co- companies like Luma are going to be the ones that help them control their own destiny. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I couldn't have finished it off better myself. And for those of you that are wanting to learn a bit more, you can go to lumenvox.com, L-U-M-E-N-V-O-X.com for those of you listening on the podcast. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for, for joining us. Any uh, any other areas that you would direct people to? Any any other things that they can check out? Or how can they, what's the best way for them to go and learn more about Lumenvox? Yeah, if you come to lumenvox.com, um, there is a, a litany of information uh, on there. You can check out some of our more recent blog posts on where we're seeing growth. Um, you can always reach out to me. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely, I think most of you that are on LinkedIn, you've got my profile. Um, but we've been really working hard on building content uh, so that how and where we see the market and where the market's going is, is going to be easily accessed at lumenbox.com. Nice one. Sean, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been absolutely amazing. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Kane. Absolutely. Pleasure's all mine.
Nice one. And thank you all for joining us. Uh, do join us next week on Wednesday when we'll be talking to Alex Quinn, who's the CEO of Disruptal. I've mentioned Disruptal a few times over the last few weeks. They are doing some really interesting stuff. Uh, voice assistants that can see. Uh, really interesting. Sean, if you haven't come across them, it is definitely worth checking out. They've got like technology that basically, if you're watching like Netflix or something like that, it will you know, you could ask like, who is the actor next to Samuel L. Jackson or what car is James Bond driving and a whole bunch of this crazy sort of stuff. And it, it pulls it up and it, and it kind of like uh, shows you it. And you can then, you know, the use cases or theoretical use cases is that once you've found that car James Bond is driving, providing it's in your price range, you can book test drives or do all that kind of stuff. So it's really, really interesting. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, uh, very so, yeah. Cool. We're going to be chatting to Alex next week, so please do join us then. Same bat time, 5 p.m. GMT, uh, same bat channel, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and on the podcast players of your choice. Thank you, Sean, again. It's been an absolute pleasure, and thank you all for joining us. We'll see you soon. Thank you.